You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Great joy that we come to Baptism Sunday. This day is about stories. Stories of how God has moved in lives. How he has protected and guided in ways that are beyond comprehension in many ways. In a few moments, you're going to see six individuals come to be baptized, taking their own next steps with Jesus. But they didn't always just believe, nor have they, and I think they would all agree with this, got it right every time since they came to know Jesus. I thought long and hard about this day and what would I present as a challenge this morning to not only those candidates, but to every person who sits in these pews this morning who will hear my message, even those online. Let me tell you my story. My story starts a lot like everybody else's story, but not so much like everybody else's story. I'll explain. At an early age, I had issues Not those kind of issues. Issues with too much fluid on my brain. And so there was this scare in my parents, and they're here this morning to see my son get baptized, but there was a scare in my parents, and so I had to go in for shunt surgery at the age of four months old or so or something like that. I'm probably way off on timing. I don't remember any of it. And I had to have my fluid removed from my brain because if that would have stayed there you can imagine the damage that would have been done and so one of the things that happens when you have a shunt surgery is is that every so many years you have to go back in to have the shunt extended see I have a scar here that's permanently in the side of me that where the shunt was 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 taking the pressure off my brain and putting it into my stomach God had his early hand on my, on my life. Uh, he had his hand on my life early because I have never gotten an extension to my shunt. It just miraculously stopped doing what it was doing and my brain took over. By the way, I don't believe it just miraculously did. You see, God's movement in my life started young. Started before I could even imagine. My parents had to walk through that time with me. It was even before I knew him that he started to move in my life. At age five, I sat in a Sunday school classroom, like much like we have here at, at, at Faith Church, but a bigger church. And, and I sat in a, uh, every class in, 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 in my kindergarten year of five years old and... I remember a teacher telling us about this this decision that we have to make. The decision was this, whether if you want Jesus in your life, you can have Jesus in your life, or you can choose to not have Jesus in your life. What Jesus in your life gives you is is, is eternal eternal salvation, uh, walking with Jesus for the rest of your life. It starts here, but but it ends up in heaven. What the other decision brings you is is eternal judgment. It goes to a place called hell, which is full of hot stuff. 
And I remember the teacher telling us this, and, and my little five-year-old head just about exploded. And I remember going home that day, and, and, and there, there was a swing set in the back of our yard. And, and on that swing set, if you stood at the top of the, at the, top of the ladder to going down the slide, you could see our church, our church uh, yeah, steeple from that, that place. I remember sitting there all alone, no parents around, just me and God. And saying, Lord, I, I Miss Teresa, she, she told me a pretty powerful story today. And, and if it's true, I need to respond to you. I need to respond to you. Now, what I would love to tell you is at age five, I got it all right and I was perfect. My parents are here. I can't lie. Okay. So at age 16, I was doing my own thing, just kind of living life and not being a very good Christian. I was hypocritical in my basketball team. I, I was in the locker room involving myself in language that was not appropriate for church and doing all the wrong things as a Christian. And so we, we went on this missions trip, and, and this is all part of the story. We'll get, we'll get to that scripture passage in just a minute. But, but we went on this missions trip, and, and our youth pastor at the time, he asked us a question. He said, listen, we're going to do this thing, and, and this is, this is old-fashioned. Trust me, I'm, you know, they, they don't do these anymore. But what they used to do is they used to bring three screens to your church, and they would bring these, these big old projector screens, and what they would do is they would show a movie on that projector projector screen, and then they would ask you if you brought an unsaved friend, someone who didn't know Jesus yet. They would ask you to turn to that unsaved, to that unsaved friend and share with them how you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so our youth pastor asked us to, to pick out somebody. And, and, you know, again, I'm not living a perfect life. I'm, I'm very hypocritical. I'm doing things that are against this church. I'm swearing and cussing and doing all the stuff that, that, that my parents would not be proud of. And they may be hearing it for the first time today. And I might get told after the service, but that's okay. All of that was happening. And I picked out this gentleman. His name, I'll never forget his name. His name was Max Moore. All right, so, so we, we, I was praying about this, and, and we, were, we were told to go to other rooms and, and meet as small groups, and so all that happened. So we go back in as the big group, and I, you, know, you get a sense when the leaders have something on their hearts. And I remember walking in, and, and my, <laughs> again, I didn't mean to pick on them today, but my mom is not a very good poker player. Her face said, something's wrong at home. I will never forget the day that we sat in that hotel room, I believe, in New Mexico. I think we didn't leave yet. And she informed us that Max Moore died in a car accident 24 hours ago. To this day, it rocks me. I never got the chance to share the gospel with Max Moore. 
So what that does is that starts a, a movement in my heart. Begins me down the path of becoming a pastor. You're not supposed to swear to God. But I remember looking at him and saying, I will not miss another opportunity. And so I became a pastor. And you would think that as a pastor, you would have it all together. (laughs) If you don't think I have the struggles you have, you have never sat in my house. I don't have a special red phone that calls God, you know, and says, hey, God, could you dial me in a. I struggle in prayer and I struggle with things just like you do. So as I served as a pastor, I decided that I should put all my all into church ministry. And that cost me a marriage. But Jesus wasn't done. It continued. The story continued. And through a lot of prayer and through a lot of repentance and through a lot of denominational help, I got a chance to go to this little town called Temple, Pennsylvania. Not perfect. Still not perfect. Never will be. And neither will you be. I kind of skipped in my notes, so now I don't even know where I am. I made other choices in my life. I'll start here. And I'll just say they weren't the most godly ones. Okay, we're going back a little bit. But in all that, there's something that God has reminded me of this week, specifically this very hard week. I'm not going to go into details, but if you knew what my week was like, I wasn't even sure I would be here this morning. I was devastated through some things. But you see, God reminded me of some things, and I want to remind you of those things as well this morning. Because I believe that maybe, just maybe, there are some people here today that are struggling like I was, maybe even as early as this week. Maybe you don't believe that God is the God that Ruth read about earlier Maybe you don't believe that you, you too could be someday baptized. Maybe you don't believe that Jesus is, 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 is any part of your life. So in Luke 15 that Ruth read for us earlier, there's a son. That son made a decision to ask his father for his inheritance before his father passed away. Let's be clear, that wasn't the norm. Usually this happened after death like today, but in this day it could happen before. In the Bible it says that not long after that, which literally means a few days later, he leaves. He goes away. He has all the money that the father gave him for his inheritance. He makes some decisions that spend the money 
on wild living. I want you to be clear on this. In the Greek, it literally means reckless living. In other words, not godly decision making. One thing leads to another, and then the next thing you know, the boy is working for a pig farmer. He's feeding pigs because he's got nothing. He blew it all in wild living. The Bible says that he was yearning for the pods he was feeding the pigs. Let me put that to you in 2022 terms. He desired to eat pig food. I don't know if any of you have ever fed pigs. That's not the most delicious food. In fact, we had a pastor that was a pig farmer or had a little farm, and I remember feeding pigs. And it was scraps that he didn't want. Scraps of watermelon, scraps of bread that they didn't chew or whatever. He just threw it over the electric fence and they went, <laughs> no pun intended, hog wild. So it dawns on him, this, this guy, this boy, that maybe he should go home. Maybe, just maybe, he needs to apologize to his father and make things right. He's nervous because like any child, he doesn't know how the father will respond to his willful disobedience and blowing all of his money. And so what we see is him out in the pig field and he's, and he's practicing his apology. I'll go home and I'll offer my father to just be one of his servants. Look, Dad, you don't have to give me a place in the house. Just let me mow the lawn occasionally and let me sleep in the shed. But we pick it up in, 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 in this verse here. And this is where, where we pick it up in verse um, 20, 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the robes, the best robes. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And the Bible says, so they began to celebrate. Maybe you need to be reminded of who God is this morning. A few things we learn about God in this story is this. Number one, you can slide it up there, I believe. Up. Oh. There we go. Number one, those who repent and know the Savior have family status. Do you have family status this morning? See, what Jesus, what God is teaching us through this parable is, is, is that when we repent... We have family status, and guess what? No one can ever take away family status.
my kids are adopted. They have the kinderglass name. That could be a good thing or a not so good thing. But here's the deal. I don't care what they do and how they act or what they say. They will never lose the kindig name. Your father loves you the same. That if you have repented and came to know him as your Lord and Savior, my friends, you are family status. And you can go out and take his inheritance and blow it on wild living. I wouldn't recommend it. Because it leaves a lot of hurt in the trail. You can do what you do and you can live for what you want to live for. But at the end of the day, when you come back to that farm and you realize that, you know what? I can't do this without God. You're not going to find a condemning God. You're not going to find a God who points his finger at you and says, see, you worthless loser. Didn't you get it the first time? No, what you're going to find is a God who's going to meet you halfway in the field. He doesn't even let the son get to the house. And he says, listen, put the sandals on him because he's, 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 he's basically doesn't have any clothes on because he's probably sold everything so that he can make a living. Put a good ring on him. Put a robe on him. And, and let's not stop there. Let's go get the fattened calf. That, that fattened calf that's being saved for the best of celebrations. Kill it too. Let's celebrate. That's what God does for family status. I needed to be reminded of that this week. Maybe you do too. No far how far you've fallen. Know how far you've been beat up. Maybe you've lost friends. I want you to walk out of here, if you don't remember anything else, walk out of here remembering that God the Father does not point his finger at you like an old, grumpy old man. But instead, he awaits with a new robe, with the best of rings, with the fattened calf. Number two is this. The Father doesn't casually seek us but he runs to us. You'll see that in the story. This is actually a ridiculous way. If Jesus was making up this story, this parable, he would not have said this. Why is that? Because in Jewish tradition, for men to run was ridiculous. It was childish. And so for a father to run to a son in Jewish tradition was absolutely ridiculous. And so Jesus doesn't care. He tells this parable and he says, if I want the father to run, the father's going to run. Because you know why? Because my father does run to people. He doesn't just walk up to you casually. He will run to you, friends. Because he's passionate about what you do with him. He's a jealous God. He doesn't like to be shared. 
And so the father runs to the child and he, and he meets him in the field. And, and we see this picture. And in Jewish tradition, this would have blown the minds of Jewish people. Wait, a grown man runs to meet a child in the middle of the field? That's ridiculous. Not in God's economy. Not in God's economy. Number three is this. When you make the decision that no matter how life is going to come back home, you are not greeted with condemnation. I kind of talked about this earlier. But a party, much to the surprise of many. You know what? I, you know, I, I, I tend to spend a little too much time on social media. I'll be honest with you. But you want to know what the frustrating part on social media is? My God gets a bad rap, man. Like he's some kind of old man up there like, you idiot. Get it right. Never does he do that. In fact, in John chapter 3, there's this famous verse that probably all of you have heard if you've, if you've been in church any amount of time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But here's the deal. We learn that verse, but we don't learn the next one. Who came into the world not to what? Not to condemn the world, but to bring the world to him. Right there, Jesus says to a lawmaker, to Nicodemus, standing there in the nighttime so that Nicodemus' buddies don't see him talking to Jesus. And he looks right at him and he says, listen, my God, my father didn't come here to condemn people. He came here to save you and me. There's something I want you to know about these candidates. They didn't know I was going to say this. But there's something that I want you to know about me too. And every one of us here. It may not blow your mind. Then again, it might. But you're a sinner. Period. Here's what the Bible says. Now, you can... You can you can chuck it if you want. I mean, that's totally your choice. But I choose to believe because there's some things happening that are there. It says in the Bible that everyone, no one, no one matches up to the glory of God. And I, I want to be, and, and I say this every time I say this passage. In the Greek, no one means no one. That means if you're sitting within the sound of my voice or you're not, you're at home watching TV or you're doing whatever, you don't get it right 100% of the time. And you know what? No one does. And what I want you to picture the Father doing for you right now before we go into the baptism service is just simply standing there and saying, would you, would you just come? Would, would you just respond? Stop the charades. Admit that you don't got the answers. It's okay. 
I've alluded to this week, and I got to tell you something. I don't got the answers. And it's okay. Because he does. And so this morning, before we close in prayer here and go to our baptism service, I just want you to realize what it takes. There's, there's really three steps to becoming a believer, and they're not rocket science. And, and, and the reason they're not rocket science is because Jesus didn't want to require a PhD to come to know him. He wanted the common guy, the common woman, the person with the struggles, the person with whatever, to be able to come just like the PhD and the doctorate and the other people. And so he says, number one, you got to admit, you got to admit that you're not making the right decisions sometimes. You're making decisions that are destroying things. It's okay to admit that. Then number two, you got to believe you got to believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And you got to, number three, you got to confess. You got to confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that He, you need a Savior. Here's, here's the deal the world wouldn't need a Savior if the world wasn't broken. We need a Savior because we're not making the right decisions. I hope no one would argue with me that the world is not making the right decisions right now. There are things that are going on in our world that are just broken. The answer is not in who we put in certain places in America. The answer is only in Jesus. That's it. Now that's not a popular message today. And many will walk out of here and say, well, you know, uh, it was great seeing everybody be baptized, but I can take or leave that message. I'm sorry if that's you. Because you're missing one doozy of an opportunity to change your life. Now, I told you the bad. Let me tell you the good. I have a lovely wife today who sticks with me through thick and thin and puts up with a whole lot more than she should. I have two lovely kids. All from a boy who had too much fluid on his brains. Who, I quote the doctors, would be dependent on his parents for the rest of their lives. Master of Divinity. Not giving you my resume. But I want you to know something. I don't say this because of me. It's because of him. He can do the same in your life. He can change your life right now. And so if you're, while you're watching this baptism happen and you're saying to yourself, you know, maybe I need to make it right with Jesus. Would you see me after the service? Please. He desires nothing more than to, for you to come home. He's got the robes ready. The fattened calf is ready to go. He wants to party with you. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity.
Thank you for stories that are represented here today. As we listen to testimonies in just a little while, may you help us to be honoring and glorifying to you. May all things done from this point forward and, and even beyond earlier bring glory to your name. Not point to a man or point to anybody else other than your name, Jesus Christ. Because you are the solution. You are the only hope. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't look at me, a man who, who walks away sometimes so easily, frustrated. You don't look at me with a pointed finger, but yet you hold your arms out and you wait for me. And when I'm halfway through the field, you do what culture says don't do. You put a grown man running through a field in Jewish culture. Why? Because you define culture. Culture doesn't define you. You are the one that we worship this morning. Help us to do that. For Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 